Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Tonight, Game 7, the Utah Jazz and the Denver Nuggets. Does the Jazz season end here on September 1st? Or do they get through to the second round for the third time in four years? And for the Nuggets, well, they were in the second round last year because they won a Game 7. Uh, they got beat in another Game 7 in the second round by the Blazers. But they got Game 7 experience with those two series last year. For the Jazz, obviously Ingles and Gobert played in a Game 7 uh, three years ago when the Jazz beat the Clippers in L.A. And also, uh, Mike Conley has been in three Game 7s. He hasn't won any of them with Memphis, but he's been in them. So a little bit of experience there for the Jazz. And then, of course, which star is going to come up bigger? Because both guys, both uh, Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell, have just been putting up enormous numbers. Um, Will they both get doubled and get the ball taken out of their hand and let somebody else beat them? Speaking of somebody else beat you... Uh, Houston lost to Oklahoma City. They're going to have a Game 7 in that series, 104-100. Houston just... uh, Harden went for his 32 points, but Westbrook struggled, didn't get the line much at all. Uh, Covington scored for him, but P.J. Tucker, Eric Gordon, Jeff Green, none of them able to really fill it up. Those three guys combined 21 points, a lot like the Jazz. You know, are your fourth, your fifth, your sixth players, what are they going to give you? You know, can you get them all? Can you get them all into double figures so they're just getting buckets occasionally in the flow of the game? And the answer is largely no, which meant the game was close at the end. And with Westbrook on the floor in Houston, it, it was four on five on offense. If he did not have the ball, the Thunder really weren't interested in guarding him. And if he didn't have the ball, the Rockets really didn't want to pass him the ball. He was open by five, six, seven feet, and nobody gave him the ball. That Whoever was defending him was just a help defender to, to gum up the middle of the floor and wreck everything. And that largely worked down the stretch. In the final uh, minute and a half, he shot an air ball. Westbrook did. Uh, and he had uh, two turnovers. When he was allowed to initiate the offense, it, it didn't go anywhere. They, uh, they scored one bucket in the last, uh, what, uh, four minutes or so. And it was a fast break uh, because Westbrook is devastating in transition. He got in transition. He got him a layup. But uh, they had a five-point lead, 97-92, and Oklahoma City closed the game on a 12-3 run and won it. So they got a Game 7 there. All right, we got to take a break, and we will get back to the Jazz and the Nuggets, Game 7. Coming up, you're going to hear from Mike Conley and Quinn Snyder. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Utah Jazz tonight, 6.30 against the Denver Nuggets. Mike Conley playing in his fourth Game 7, trying to win for the first time in a Game 7. Here's Mike Conley with the media. Hey, Mike, defensively uh, with um, with Jamal, what can you guys do to, to even try to make uh, life a little bit more difficult for him? And, and where is your, your, your collective spirit? Um, as a team heading into Game Seven tomorrow. Uh, well, with Jamal, man, he's you know he's he's playing lights out right now. He's uh, obviously shooting very high percentages and, and making plays all across the board. But uh, as a team, I think we can just we can just be more uh, more physical, more present. Uh, just keep more bodies on him and try to get the ball out of his hands as much as possible. He's 
he's shown that he's been able to, to, to make plays in the biggest moments and um, get guys involved as well. So we're just trying to, you know, trying to find ways to throw different coverages at him. Um, just keep him guessing a little bit because uh, when guys are rolling like that, it, it, it's, it's tough to it's tough to stop even with uh, even when your defense is playing great. We'll go to uh, Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Mike, you guys came out really well offensively yesterday, and then it seemed like the movement stopped and the and the ball kind of stuck. How do you get back on track to doing what was working well and, and what caused you to go away from it? Um, I, I honestly think that, you know, early in the game, we just come out and we're playing free. We're playing, um, you know, with the ball leading us, letting the ball make plays for us. And uh, the ball finds different people. I think as the game goes on, we, we tend to kind of seek out matchups or seek out certain uh, uh, plays to try to, um, take advantage of different situations and, and it slows us down a little bit. And uh, I think the more and more we continue to, to, to play within the flow of the game uh, and let everybody just kind of move the ball and touch it and, and get them moving around defensively, I think that, that gets us going uh, on both ends of the floor. Next is uh, Cassidy Hubbard, ESPN, who's there with you. Mike. So you've been one of the more prominent guards in the league for, for a while, but watching what Donovan and Jamal are doing, both having two 50-point games, I know they, they're talking about the history, but are you seeing this as a historic battle between the two of them? Uh, yeah, actually, it's uh, it's, it's been, I wouldn't say fun to watch when you're losing, but when you're winning. It definitely is. I think what Donovan and Jamal have been doing is unbelievable. Uh, I've said it almost after every game. Like, you know, those those two are playing at the, one of the highest levels I've seen from from that position. And, um, and you know, for for us, we hope Donovan continues to, to to progress and continues to get better as he as he goes through this leap he's making. Because um, he's been he's been phenomenal for us. And, uh, and Jamal obviously is is he's been he speaks for himself right now. He's been doing what he's doing, but. Uh, we got to figure out a way to stop. We'll go uh, Ben Anderson, KSL Sports. Mike, is there any trick to Game Sevens, or, or is it different than any other elimination game? Uh, there's no trick. There's no trick to Game Seven. It's you know, win or go home. It's just as simple as it gets. Um, it's I think what we all have grown up playing in, in tournaments like that, where you just you know, if you if you lose, you go home. Uh, I think there's no single better game to be a part of in sports. Uh, game sevens are unbelievably, unbelievably competitive. Um, you're going to see the best uh, from everybody on that court on both teams. And uh, that's what you come out here to do is, is to have moments like this, have opportunities to, to, to play in big moments. Uh, Dan Wojcicki, uh, LA Times. Hi, Mike. Um, you, you talked a little bit about Donovan and Jamal, but it seems like so many different players are having these incredible offensive outbursts um, inside the bubble. I mean, yourself, you're shooting almost 57% in the playoffs. Is, is there anything to it? Is, is it no travel, smaller arenas? Um, have you given that any thought? And, and have you noticed it too, that it's just, it seems like there's just been a lot of great offense? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think for most guys, uh, the travel is, is, you know, being eliminated has, has done a lot for guys. Uh, you're, you're getting to bed at, you know, normal hours. You're getting to sleep in. You're getting to rest and recover. 
Um, you know, and it's a different playoffs. You know, it's different without fans. It's different without, you know, being on the road or playing at altitude or the different elements that you normally have to deal with. Uh, you don't have to deal with it all. You, you get a consistent feel of the gym every single time you walk in. More of a summertime, summer league, you know, kind of feel. So I think guys are more relaxed in those in those occasions, in those uh, those venues. So I think guys have all just kind of switched their minds to to having that kind of relaxed flow and feel when they play. So uh, you're seeing a lot of guys, you know, have career years and career uh, career nights, you know, on a nightly basis. We have a question from uh, Chris Mannix, Sports Illustrated, who's there with you. Mike, um, you, you're just saying, like, it's no trick to game seven. It's winner go home. And, and under normal circumstances, like, it, it, nobody wants to go home. But it seems like everybody that leaves this bubble is on Instagram, like, basically doing a jig when they're getting out of here. I mean, do you, do you get the sense just being there that everybody's kind of as locked in as they need to be, that they don't want to go home, that this is you – know, it's all about advancement at this point? Yeah, I think uh, for us especially, I think our team, we've, we've – we came here for a reason. We didn't come here to, to be here for a month and a half away from our families just to go home. If we're going to be here, we wanted to, to ride this thing all the way out. And um, and we've put ourselves in a position. We've had three, you know, two games already to have an opportunity to, to advance. And now we're giving ourselves this, this last chance. And, um, and we're going to try to take advantage of it as best as we can. I know guys are anxious and eager to get to our next game. Um, and, 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 you know, try to rewrite what we've done. Uh, you know, they, they've really outworked us the last few games and have, have, have played with the more urgency. Um, so now we're almost, it's almost flipped now. We're the team that's got to show how urgent we are. Um, and I think guys are, are, are mentally there in, in the way we practice today and uh, the way guys were mentally prepared and, you know, showing up. I come in there early and Donovan's walking in at the same time I am. And, we're getting shots up early, like that kind of sets the tone for everybody. Lets us know, like, you know, we're, what our plans are. We're not, we're not planning on going home. That's that's not what we came here to do. We'll go to Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Mike, it seemed like the chemistry or cohesion of the team fell off in Game Six. I mean, just kind of no ball movement. And where is that on and off the court right now? Uh, man, honestly, I think. I think you got to give credit a little bit to, to Denver and the, their adjustments and what they've done. But um, a lot of it is things we can control. I think it's just continuing to, like I said, move the ball and, and play for each other. You know, there's there's small details here and there throughout games that, that in game one, two, three, four, we were taken care of and, and we're doing it at a 90% clip. Now we're, you know, we've dropped to 80 to 70 to 50 as the games went on, maybe thinking that it was, it was just going to happen. Um, but they're a good team and, and uh, you know, a very good team with very good players. And we have to continue to, to work at all those those little things that, that, that allowed us to get uh, early lead in the series. So, um, you know, our, our mindset is good. Our, our camaraderie is good. Our confidence is good. Uh, we're excited to go out there and play and compete in a, in a game seven. And Mike, last question from Mark Medina, USA Today. Hey, Mike. Uh, good to see you. Uh, kind of a league question. I know the, the league and the union and teams have offered, you know, mental health services, you know, much earlier. But given the times we're in with the world and this setup and the challenges with the bubble, what, what's your sense of what that's done for guys overall? Well, I think, you know, it's a challenging time in this world right now. It can be challenging for anybody. Um, it, and in the bubble, you know, for us to be removed from everything going on, 
physically but mentally trying to be there at the same time. It's a lot. It's a lot to deal with. It's a lot for guys. Um, I think basketball has been a great outlet for a lot of guys to be able to express how they're feeling um, and just having that help, having having people to talk to, having people to 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 you know just be able to sit and listen and uh, and, and gather thoughts and emotions and channel them into to a positive uh, action. And I think, uh, you know, we've done that since we've been here in the bubble. There is Mike Conley in advance of tonight's Game 7. Now, here is the head coach, Quinn Snyder. Quinn, Mike just mentioned something um, that I found interesting. He said that um, part of the reason that you guys got away from moving the ball a lot had some, at least some to do with kind of trying to find individual matchups and trying to attack those and hunting those out rather than just trusting your own offense and swinging the ball around. How much credence do you give to that? And how can you move away from it? Well, I think in any situation in this series, you know, you gravitate to things that you have success with. Um, and then obviously defenses adjust uh, and then offenses adjust and it's that kind of continual process. So, um, you know, to the extent that uh, the game, you know, dictates that for you. I, I think it's just, it's part of the adjustment process. It, it, to get to get into it or get away from it is not, um, you know, a significant challenge. It, it's, it certainly just requires planning. Um, no different than something you're doing on the defensive end. But, you know, I think when unquestionably when, uh, when we're moving the ball, we're a better team. Um, sometimes a matchup will allow you to have an advantage in order to move the ball. But um, if you're just looking at a matchup in order to, to, you know, create an isolation situation, there's times when that can be effective, you know, whether it be late game or the end of a quarter. Um, but we don't want to live in that. Um, and I think that's what Mike was saying. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Quinn. Uh, so Donovan said last night he didn't anticipate that there would be a whole lot of film study today. He said that everyone knows what they need to do. And at this point it comes down to who executes better. So with that said, what are some of the things that you think you need to see executed better in game seven? Well, you know, I think generally, I think what would, what we talked about and did um, to Donovan's point, there's things that um, we were doing, you know, a few games ago when we won something, simple things, whether it be spacing, um, being shifted defensively, you know, the, the, the edge that we had in those things, um, you know, during the middle of the series, really even in, in game one, um, we got better at those things. And I, I think we relaxed um, our focus a little bit. So um, some of the really what you'd kind of refer to as fundamental things, I mean, getting back better in transition. And I think those are the things that, you know, that Donovan's referencing that, you know, we just need to, you know, do them better and do, do them you know, more consistently. Um, and we know that, um, you know, and then the, the other part of it is there, there always are, you know, situations and things that, that you need to try to adjust to. And, you know, there, there's a balance there of doing both. And obviously in a game seven situation, there's been a lot of basketball already played, but, you know, you can also learn from that and try to give yourselves a better chance to succeed. We'll go to uh, Ben Anderson, KSL Sports. Quinn, in, in this series and, and certainly the last game over the last three quarters, you only get 71 points after a 36-point first quarter. What would you like to see more from your team over those final three periods that can carry into game seven? Score more points. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think that 
we missed some free throws in the first quarter. That would, number would have even been better. Um, you know, I, I think some of it for us, I mentioned spacing. You know, we're a team that, that has multiple guys that can attack and break the lane. And if we're not spaced, you know, their size and their length really comes into play. But, you know, I think creating for one another, you know, when regardless of how you get an advantage, whether it's a matchup situation or it's pick and roll um, or it's just straight penetration um, against a good defense and against Denver, you're, you may not be able to get all the way to the rim and, and that player may not be the one getting the basket. Um, but if we can continue to play throughout a possession, I think the biggest thing for us um, in those quarters you're referencing where we weren't, you know, not scoring the ball as effectively. I, I think we have one of the, you know, as far as half court offense over the course of the series, we're, um, we're executing and doing well. Um, I'd like for the ball, I'd like for, to have us make quicker decisions. You know, I, I think, um, and I reference spacing again, because that allows you to make a quick decision, even, you know, shoot it quickly, pass it, move it, drive it. Um, but everything has to be done quickly um, or the defense can catch up with you. Uh, Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. When, how many minutes can you play your best guys in a game seven situation? I think you, you know, you look at the game and, and see how they, you know, some games it's easier to play guys longer than others. Um, you know, just look at their general fatigue level. You know, every player is a little bit different. Uh, sometimes it's a question of maybe getting them a quick blow. Sometimes those things can evolve um, around a quarter or a timeout. If you've got a couple timeouts that happen early in a quarter, it's harder for guys to go a longer stretch. Um, but this is a time that, you know, you leave everything on the court. And um, sometimes, you know, Rudy at 90% or 80% um, may be a pretty good option. I mean, even if guys are a little fatigued, they have to play through that. And I think that's been the case. Um, certainly what Denver's done with us, they've played guys the entire second half. Um, you know, and we, we may do that. We may not. We've done it. Um, and, you know, I think it's just a question of feeling the game, you know, and seeing how that player's playing. Sometimes a guy needs a rest just from a mental standpoint. Um, but it's it's something that you're obviously aware of. And those are decisions, I think, that, that happen during the course of the game, um, in addition to kind of what you set out at the beginning of the game. And coach, one more question from Mark Medina, USA Today. Hey, Quinn, good to see you. Um, here, a lead question here. I mean, given the, the state of the world we're in and the challenges of being in the bubble, to what extent do you incorporate mental health concepts or mindfulness exercises and practice and all that? Well, we, we have a uh, mental skills coach. At that, that, that title, I think, is um, – is a narrow definition of what he does. Dr. Ron Kimmins, who's not currently with our team, but he's someone that the guys have talked to um, over the course of the time here. Um, we've had Zoom meetings with him. Um, I think he, he's terrific. He's been a resource not only to our players, but to our coaching staff. So um, really, you know, in the environment we're in here, um, it's difficult to incorporate those things maybe into a formal practice setting because um, even practice times are variable and there's just so many different things that you're balancing. Um, but it is something that we talk about and, and uh, make that not only available to our guys, but encourage it. There's Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Jazz and the Nuggets, 6.30 tonight. ABC has got Game 7, the Jazz and Nuggets. Six days from tonight, ESPN will have BYU season opener at Navy. And we're going to hear from head coach Kalani Sataki next. 
Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. BYU getting ready to face Navy Monday night, Labor Day night. Six days to the opener now. Uh, Bad news for the Cougars. Our own Jake Hatch uh, reporting yesterday that Matt Bushman was hurt and had to be carted off the field. Lower leg injury. Um, That sounds really bad. Those are, you know, whether it's... uh, and I've heard some stuff about what it could be. Uh, have not been able to conf- no no one's been able to confirm it. I haven't seen it out there yet. Maybe someone's gotten it out there this morning, um, but not that I know of. Um, but it sounded bad. It sounded like Matt Bushman will not be playing in the opener. Will not be playing for a while. You got to hope it's not season ending. But we'll wait to hear from the Cougars on that. But I think there are a lot of people who fear that. Um, you know, sometimes if there's an injury and there's swelling, they, they try to wait for the swelling to go down 24 hours or whatever. So maybe we'll hear something official later today. But right now, holding your breath, Cougar fans, um, people are worried. Maybe it'll work out and it won't be as bad as everyone fears, but uh, uh, the fears are pretty bad. All right, head coach Kalani Sataki, here he is meeting with the media. Just really excited about the uh, the game being a week away and uh, our players are excited. School started today, so uh, we're back to our normal schedule of of morning classes and uh, afternoon practices and meetings. And so uh, uh, just really looking forward to the game and uh, been really proud of the way our guys performed in camp and the uh, bond that they share with each other and, and really looking forward to, to them competing. And, you know, we're, we know exactly what Navy brings to the table. They're a dangerous team. And uh, I think I have to keep reminding everyone that they, they finished ranked last year and won a lot of games. And uh, they're an efficient team. They, they control the ball really well and make a lot of big-time plays. And, and that's just not on offense. That's on defense as well. They, they're disruptive on defense and special teams. They're clean. And, and that's what you expect from what Ken does as a coach and, and his, uh, his amazing staff. I think they do a great job of getting those players to play to their strengths. And we're going to have to play to ours in order to, to compete against a really quality team that's, that's in my mind, a, a, a ranked team that we're looking into going into their house and trying to trying to disrupt them. So we're looking forward to the, the challenge. And our guys are excited about playing football in a week. So I'll answer any questions you guys have for us. Kalani, you have the rare opportunity of, of uh, facing teams that run the triple option two weeks in a row to start out the season. Has, has that given you any added insight, that extra preparation time and how to scheme against these attacks? Um, well, you haven't really thought about it beyond Navy. That's all we're focused on right now. I know that Army is the next opponent, but uh, I think focusing on Navy is more important than anything else. I, um, I haven't really looked into what Army does um, and then what how different they are from Navy. So really just focusing on this game and, uh, you know, Focusing on, on, on it's a unique offense, um, but there's a lot of carryover. There's a lot of things that are really important when it, when it comes to the game. It's the fundamentals that are going to help us win this game. And, and it's tackling well, 
blocking well on, on, on offense and, you know, making sure that we're a disciplined team, that those, those are going to be the keys, uh, fundamentals and discipline. So I'm um, trying to focus on that and, uh, you know, just looking at, at ways to, to limit their playmakers. Uh, they, they utilize everyone they have on the team and, and they have a, they're built on, on physicality and toughness. And so we're going to have to match it. Hey, Jason. Lonnie, I know you don't like to make things about you, but fr- from a personal standpoint, what is the significance for you to have two Polynesian head coaches who are both members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints being the head coach in this game that will be televised nationally? I mean, I really thought about it like that. I just know that I, I admire what um, Ken does as a coach and and more than anything, I admire what he does as a, as a, as a person and the, the contributions that he's made as a, as a church member, but also just as a, as a human. I think I look at the, the wonderful things that he does as a person and, and even in his relationships as a, as a husband, as a father and, and as a friend. I think that's a, that's a, he's, good, he's a good example to me as a coach and being in from the same hometown, you know, and seeing him. And yeah, I'm dating him. He's older than I am. So I just want to make sure that everybody understands that I've, I look at him as a mentor. But a lot of the things that we do culturally in our team feeds off of how we are as, a, you know, from our, our religion to our hometown and to our, our heritage. And so uh, I think that kind of goes into what you do as a coach and then kind of filters into your players and, and that mindset that you have. And I think it's perfect for the game of football. But I also, I also think that, uh, being able to balance all of that is he's been a great example to me as a coach and so and as a father and a husband myself so I, uh, that's probably all I can say about it personally the comes down to it the, the guys on the team on the field will be making the plays you know and and Ken and myself will be cheerleading with the mask on and doing everything we can to keep our players motivated and to remember the training that they've had up into this game and so that it comes down to it would be that, but uh, but a lot of appreciation for the for the military, for Navy, for those young men that that allow us to feel comfortable in this life and then allow me to to grow and become a coach and and be a head coach and and, and there's a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of things that you could look at in this game for me that, that I'm really thankful for and the fact that we get to play the game. So, uh, but that, when that's all that's all great, but when it comes down to it, we're going to play the game and have fun and and really show the country what we have and the appreciation we have to play this game against Navy. Hey, Jared. Kalani, Jeff talked uh, in the coordinator's corner about how Zach Wilson, uh, we saw the depth chart get released today and how he earned it with his performance. He earned the starting job with his performance in fall camp, even beyond his experience and what he'd done elsewhere. What did Zach do to earn that spot that you saw and, and as far as his leadership for the team? I think he's healthy, number one. Uh, I think that he had a great offseason, um, not having to, uh, you know, rehab or anything like that. I think it was a, able, he was able to just kind of master his craft a little bit more and, and improve his game, and he worked really hard during the offseason. Uh, I think he, just having that another year and, and more time under his belt and, um, and understanding the system, I think uh, fall camp-wise, it was, you know, this is third fall camp, so he obviously feels a lot more more comfortable, even though it's a little bit disrupted, a little bit different. Um, the 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 bulk of it all is, is really important for him to instead instead of trying to establish himself as a player, now he's trying to compete, which he's going to have to do every time, you know. But compete and try to solidify his spot. But within the midst 
of doing that, he was able to work on his relationship, his timing, his, um, you know, iron out some things that, that he wanted to make become his strengths as a quarterback. And, and it showed, you know, and every position is going to have to compete. We'll play the best guys. And he definitely earned it. Okay, we'll go with uh, Sean next, then Mitch and Scott. So, Sean? Yeah, Coach, Jared kind of stole exactly, literally the exact question that I was going to ask you, so well done, Jared. Um, but just kind of in following up on Zach, Jeff was saying that sort of a lot of, of what he did to earn the starting job, um, it almost didn't matter that he kind of came in with experience and all that. Did you see something kind of during camp about just how much he wanted it, I guess, to, to be the starting quarterback? I think for all the quarterbacks, I think they felt more comfortable just just knowing the scheme rather than having to learn so many different things. You know, I think having that foundation of knowledge and and being familiar with with the scheme, familiar with the receivers, and then it also helps to have a lot of veterans up front protect for you. And 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 now you're not really too concerned about the pass protection. You're, you're really looking at what you can do to get get the right reads and, and make sure you're making the best decisions as a quarterback. So I think having the experience around all the quarterbacks helped out, you know, and, and allowed them to focus in on being a quarterback when you have, you know, Matt Bushman and others that are returning players that just have a lot of experience and, and a lot of time together. I think that's going to be the, the key for those guys. But it was – it helped benefit all the quarterbacks that are returning. That's that's with Zach, Jaron, and Baylor. And so – um, you know, we're, we're looking for those guys to, to do some things for us this year. And, and uh, knowing that they've had, they've been in position to do it, all three of them from last year. And then going to this year, I, f I feel like it's a, it's just a lot, they're a lot more comfortable, a lot more um, established in where they're, where they're, you know, with the offense and with the system and with being in college. And so uh, they're able to just straight out compete. Delani, who will be your captains this season? Uh, we did some voting. There's gonna. It's it's kind of a log jam because there are uh, eight guys that received all about the same amount of votes. I think the the two guys that got the most were guys that you probably would already guess, you know. But uh, I think we we're gonna look at it. I think the new rule now is only one person gets to go out for the coin toss, and so it's more about the established leaders. I think we have a good group of leaders and that's a good, a good problem to have when you have a bunch of guys getting um, captain votes. And so we'll release that in the next little bit. Okay, Scott, you're next. And then we'll hear questions from Matt, Brandon, Jay, and Jake. Okay. Thanks coach. I'm filling in for Jason Swenson, who's got dueling media availabilities right now, but we'll be out uh, at the game next week. And uh, following up on the previous question, uh, as far as the shared island he uh, heritage legacy and the, uh, the shared faith, uh, also return missionaries for both head coaches here. Don't know if that will get additional attention from uh, national media, from ESPN with, with that. But uh, if you had to talk about the impact of uh, return missionaries and, the, and uh, what coaches who have gone through that experience can share with recruits, with the, the scholarship juggling, with the criticism nationally of, of age, how would you respond? Go serve a mission and then you'll know exactly what it's about. You know, so I think that uh, I applaud all these young men that, and, and young women that make the decision to serve a mission, um, putting their life on hold 
for a, a number of, you know, for months and a year and a half to two years. And, and um, that's a huge sacrifice that they're making. So you, you look at that, it athletically, I don't think it helped myself or Ken. It didn't help us get better as a football player, but what it did for me is, is really helped me um, because of the things, the lessons I learned from serving a mission, you know, and it's just a lesson of service and, and whether you're doing it in a, in a, on a mission for religious purposes, or you're doing it in the military, helping others and, and thinking of others first, there's, there's something that happens during that time. And I don't know if it can really be defined into something that's going to help you athletically or anything like that, but it can really help you with your life. And so um, I know that there's lessons that go on in my life. I mean, I said it before, I've I played in a lot of football games here at BYU, you know, but I don't think about my career as a football player every day here at BYU, but I, I, since I got home from my mission, I think about my mission every day. There's not a day that goes by that I haven't thought about my time serving in the Bay Area, um, serving others. And so I'm really proud of that. And I know all the other missionaries that, that have, have served or can feel exactly what I'm talking about. And, and others that want to criticize or say whatever they want about it, it's really difficult to make to make light of something when people are, are really thinking about others and helping others. So, and I think it could it could help you personally. I don't know if it helps you football wise or athletically, but that's all right. It, those that have served know they're, they're all nodding their heads. I can see some of that they're in the media. They're nodding their head, exactly agreeing with what I'm saying. Thank thank you very much. Hey, Matt. Coach, coach, I was, I was looking at the depth chart. What is the Cinco position and, and what are the responsibilities for it on the defensive side? They're all hybrid positions. We feel like there's a lot of guys that can play different positions. And I don't know if I need to define what they're doing at each play, but there's a chance that you probably see uh, the nickel, the flash, the jack and other positions doing a lot of different things that, that – may not be um, your traditional safety linebacker, outside linebacker, inside linebacker type of role. So really hard to answer that question. If I show you five plays, they might be doing different things on all five. But they, it takes a unique player to play those positions that, that they can be a, a hybrid that we need them to be safety, linebacker, and corner. Um, you know, at different times. So that's probably the best way to put it. <laughs> hey, Brandon, Bernie, and then just so clarified, then we'll have Jay Drew and then Jake Edmonds and Jake Catch. Yeah, Keenan Ellis and uh, Chris Wilcox named as the starting cornerbacks. Uh, what's gone into that? And if you could just comment on both those guys and what won the job for, for them. Well, we feel like, you know, Keenan's come along. I mean, he's done a great job in camp and, and, Chris is a guy that that's always been, uh, you know, he's been, he's been here for a long time. And so I think um, depending on what we do defensively, that it's hard to, that's just a depth chart, but, but uh, week to week, it, things could change on who the 11 are out on the field and depending on the situation or the, or the, the, you know, the personnel that we're seeing from the offense. So uh, just looking at there, you're going to see those are a lot of names on the, on the depth chart, but 11 of that group will be on the field at one time. Shouldn't be any the, less. Shouldn't be any more. The guy missing from the depth chart was Isaiah Heron. Is he? Is he? What's his status? Um, Rent is. I mean, there's always when you're looking at competition, and this isn't just to anyone specifically, but 
guys have to they have to battle injury um they have to battle knowing the plays and uh you know we went through a long time long camp and so uh the depth chart could change it's not anything that's set in stone but you know the guys that that, that prepare and, and perform the best will be on the depth chart and will be on the field Kalani I wonder if you could just take us through what this week will entail when are you leaving for Annapolis uh, kind of what, when will you have the walk through? Where are you as far as the typical game week? Yeah. Um, on, uh, well, you know, we're, we're under the, the, the rule of 20 hours per week now starting school and getting ready for the game. So we're going to keep our, our, our numbers under that obviously with compliance. Um, so we'll practice today and tomorrow. We'll get the players off on um, Wednesday and then we'll practice again Thursday, Friday and Saturday. We'll travel Sunday early morning, get there, and then not do anything on Sunday other than anything that needs to do with our religious um, needs. But then other than that, get up Monday morning. Uh, the game being late Monday night, we'll be doing some walkthroughs, get the guys a little bit of a sweat Monday morning, get them a little workout, and then uh, get ready for the game, meet and get ready for the game. When you have the East Coast games, you usually go two days before why the change this is it because of the playing on monday or, or why the change well we looked at we looked at a lot of different things that um, even what nfl teams do and um when you're going it's different going from um you know east to west and west to east and so for us looking at the dynamics and looking at the hours probably works the best for us doing this way and then the game Knowing the kickoff time, I think we can, it's a little bit easier to plan ahead compared to not knowing when it's usually not known until the week of. And so being able to know that the game is 8 p.m. on a Monday night gives us a lot of um, a lot of time that we can kind of get things set and have our guys ready to go. Plus, we don't do anything on Sunday. We don't we don't um, meet or practice. Coach, it feels like a fantasy draft where you have all your questions written down and then everyone asks them already before it gets to you. But I do have a, a follow-up on just the logistics of travel and how things may change uh, in that sense with COVID-19. You mean this week or just in general? Uh, specifically this week, but if it just, if it, there's a general to it as well, then that is um, no, we, we've, we've been in contact with Navy and, and our protocol and testing and everything like that. So, um, you know, as we start getting closer to game time, we'll, we'll definitely have our guys uh, tested throughout the week and make sure that we're ready to roll and that, that everybody is, uh, even as we travel, that we're practicing uh, social distancing as we get into the hotel room. It'll be different than normal, than a normal travel, um, you know, normal travel to a game. And, and we'll just continue to, to you know, do things the right way and make sure that our guys are doing everything to stay safe. And it's not just protecting ourselves, it's protecting everyone else too. So I think every, everything is in accordance to what both schools and what the, the, the American conference is thinking about, you know, that, that would give them, make them comfortable. And our, both administrations have been in, in contact and communication about it. And I've been really pleased with the way uh, both schools have been able to make this happen for us. And, We'll just deal with whatever happens, you know, depending on the tests and depending on what other policies or protocols may come up. We're, we're down to, to follow whatever is expected from us. Come on. Uh, Jay, 
Oh. Hatch, can you just hold on a minute? So after Jake, we'll have a question from Mitch, Jared, and Matt. And that will probably be it. We'll look at the time. Yeah, Kalani, I wanted to ask you, in terms of finally getting to game week here, what are your feelings now that knowing this is seven days away finally? Oh, excitement. Just uh, just getting to, you know, with, with everything that's been going on, uh, especially during the fall camp and a lot of uncertainty, even going on with scheduling and stuff, we know that this has now been down to single-digit days and now it's within the week, you know. So uh, I think the guys are kind of, transitioning to what it feels like and, and feeling a little bit uh, normal, you know, getting some, some of that normal feeling back and going to school. I mean, we're wearing masks. We're doing all that stuff that we can to do it the right way. But uh, it's just it's just showing that we're trending towards something that can possibly return back to normal life. And then I wanted to ask you, Friday, you guys officially wrapped up fall camp. You were scrimmaging at the stadium. Any outcome from that that you could share with us? Yeah, we had some good live work, and I think the guys just being able to get that feel of the game again was good. And um, uh, I thought, you know, depth chart-wise, we kind of had an idea of of what it was going to look like, and this kind of confirmed a little bit of what we're looking at and, and the, the the candidates that could possibly, you know, rise up in the depth chart. So you're seeing a lot of names there but there's also some names probably that aren't listed that are still in the mix and depending on things like health and um you know and getting themselves back and ready to roll then then that that'll kind of contribute to if that thing changes if the depth chart changes or uh, or not Kalani, how, how do you feel about just the opportunity that that your program has to be on a, a national platform where so many programs have decided to be sidelined this year this gives your your team, your program, to really the the landscape. The nation's going to be watching your program. We're just excited to compete. I think we're just excited to play the game. I haven't really thought about all that stuff. You know, I know that that it's getting a lot of attention. I mean, you, we were all watching an FCS game uh, last weekend. You know what I mean? It was just a lot of fun. I just just miss football, right? And so seeing all the high schools play within our state too it's been it's been really cool to see kind of what i mentioned before of, of things getting back to to the schedule with a, such an odd year that we've had and so really that's just all that's all it's about it's just just playing the game and and trying to stay safe and trying to get things to normal and real quick too uh the running back position what did tyler algier maybe do to close that gap to where it's listed as an or between him and lopini on that uh, depth chart I guess we'll find out. You know, he, he's he's a big, strong guy that 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 he runs a physical game, and and, and he and um, Lopini have a lot thing, a lot of things in common, but they also do things that that are, are their own personal strengths. You know, so I think we'll need we'll need more than just the two guys, but but it'll be good to see those guys kind of settle into their roles. And right now, the first game, there's no tendency, so we can do whatever we want. And then, and, and, you know, offensively and defensively and special teams, whatever you want to do to, to open up. But Navy can do the same thing, too. So that's the that's the fun part about the openers. Thanks, Colin. Coach, are you anticipating any adjustment period at all to, to playing a road game with no fans? I mean, how, how do you prepare for that or does it not require any preparation? No, I'm just going to who's going to play. I mean, uh, that's never been a factor to us for to look and see how many fans are in the stands. I think once you get in there and you get ready and have that mindset of just playing the game, that's all that matters. I don't think uh, 
you know, our guys are going to be focused on that. I think we're just excited to play the game, and that's all that matters right now. And um, yeah, just I don't. I've asked these guys to be ready to perform at their best. That's what we need to do as a co as coaches and as players to play at our best for 12, possibly 13 uh, games. You know, and, and right now this is the one we need to be ready for. And, and doesn't we don't factor the fact that it's at home or away or any of that stuff. We're just regardless of what time the game is or who it is, we have to be at our best. And that gets a really quality team like Navy and well coached and. Uh, well-disciplined kids that, that have a lot of athletic ability you know th these guys are they won a lot of games last year so keep keep mentioning that that they're not they're not just a, a, an easy team to run through we we have a, we have to be ready and they have all of our attention we've seen the film and the film is very impressive in all three phases and and uh, kudos to, to ken being able to get get that the team rolling but it's that's his history as a coach. He, he'll have his team ready to roll, and we need to make sure we do the same. Hey, Jared. Lonnie, one of the things to actually being able to play the games this year the, was the importance of testing for COVID. And, and Peeney talked last week about how, you know, you do three, they've been doing at least three saliva tests a week. How big was the saliva testing just as far as your confidence to being able to have your players, you know, being able to handle the virus and knowing where they're at and being ready to actually take the field in a game? Because it just seems like that was, that was a big step. Um, you know, I, I think that's just one of those things that you just have to get used to, you know, whatever the test is, it, it doesn't matter. We just, we know what's required to play football and then we're going to do it. And these guys are, are, are committed to it. So whatever they ask us to do, we're, we're not, we don't, we're not a, a, a place that makes statements on, on things like that, what kind of tests we want or anything. All we know is that we want to play football and we want to represent well, the, the school, the church and, and our, and our families. And so, uh, whatever is required from us to to make it happen, we'll do. And, and I've just been really thankful for sports medicine department and, and our administration allowing us to have the right protocol and policies in place so that we can do this and and also feel safe. You know, that's that's really important that with school starting and everything that's going on, that we keep educating our players on, on how they can keep themselves safe. And this is more than ever. We've always said that they, they we have to hold them to a different standard when it comes to being a football player, because you're not going to be able to do the same things that other students do. And you have to be a little bit more mindful of your, your schedule and your, the clock and your rest and all those things that, that normal students don't have to worry about. And now we ask, you know, with the mask and wearing masks and being social, you know, practicing social distancing, it's all those things. We just added a little bit more to them, but they're used to, to knowing that they, they have a unique situation. And, and now we just added a couple things to, to ensure that they, they, if they want to play football, they have to follow. And uh, we've seen no issues from our players and they're just thankful for it. I think you've heard them talk about how much gratitude they have for this game and, and for this opportunity and we're looking forward to it. And I'm just really proud of, the, of these young men and the things that they've been committed to doing. Hey, Thanks, that's, that's all we'll take, Coach. Okay, thanks, guys. Stay Thank safe. You. Thank you. And then we have three players coming, Zach Wilson, Kyrus Tonga, and Tristan Hodge. I think we'll start with... Uh There's the head coach, Kalani Sataki. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.